Hi friends, welcome back to Stars Like Us. My name is Aliza Kelly. In this episode, I speak with the amazing celebrity astrologer, Ophira Edut, but you may know her as one of the Astro Twins. Ophira and her twin sister, Tali, have been leaders in the astrological community for over a decade, and it was a true honor to speak with her about all things cosmic on this episode. I first connected with the Astro Twins in 2015 when I was running my astrology dating app called Align. Since then, Ophi and I have become quite close, and in addition to our shared Capricorn risings, we also share a deep passion for karaoke. So if you live in New York City, you may at some point run into us belting your favorite 80s jams in the East Village together. Today's introduction is short because Ophi and I cover so much ground in our conversation. We discuss everything from Saturn to the mysteries of the 8th and the 12th houses, the significance of the outer planets, why astrology is so popular right now, how Uranus in Taurus is going to relate to climate change, and how to interpret twin charts in astrology, which I know so many of you guys are curious about. So without further ado, let's dive into this incredible conversation. Enjoy. So on this episode of Stars Like Us, I am here with the beautiful Ophi, who is one part of a two-part Astro Twin system. (laughs) <laughs> um, thank you so much for being here. It's awesome to uh, hang with you and the lovely Lucy the puppy. Yeah, I, puppy. I'm not sure how it works to have... I know that on, like, talk shows you could have, like, a pet as sort of a character. It becomes a character. I don't know if it, that really translates on a podcast without actually seeing the the pet. But it depends if they bark, I guess. You totally. Know, you gotta just weave them in. I always have a dog on my lap. She's an emotional support <laughs> animal. Very, very much. And this, as I was mentioning to you, she is a, um, a moon and Mercury in Sagittarius. So mm. if we mic her up, I know that she would be participating very actively. <laughs> Speaking of Sagittarius, you are a Sagittarius sun. Yes, I am. You are also a Capricorn rising. What mm-hmm. degree Capricorn rising? A uh, little bit after 10, so. Cool, so we're very close. I'm 12-degree yeah. Capricorn rising. Oh, perfect, rising. okay. So we both had, last year, Saturn crossing our ascendant. Yeah, so, you know, it was something, I called it a little bit of a dark night of the soul. I just had some, you know, I think the last time Saturn crossed my ascendant, I was in high school, so... Um, I did make a lot of life changes then. I remember, I think my grandmother passed away. This time, I did a lot of changes with my business and a lot of life evaluating of like, what do I really want to be doing with my time? But everything felt very heavy and low energy. How about for you? Well, you know, Saturn in my 12th house, I'm also going through my Saturn return right now. Oh, that's a double whammy. Yeah, it, Saturn, my Saturn return, like, really served in a way that I wasn't even expecting it to because having Saturn as my chart ruler, Mm -hmm. you know, I made the mistake of thinking that I know how to work with this planet. But (laughs) in fact, what happened was basically everything that I had tried to uh, oppress and repress and keep down all of the demons and hardships and things that I really didn't want to ever have to face came came out they all just came out of the woodwork and then suddenly Mm. I had to acknowledge every single thing in my life that I had been trying to ignore for years and years and years and years classic Saturn return so I'm sure your listeners know about Saturn and probably a lot of them are in their Saturn return but um, I had my Saturn return in 2000 to 2003 I have Saturn and Gemini so you know, for those who don't know what that is, I guess that's the, that's your, I call it your cosmic bar mitzvah. It's like when you really are pushed into adulthood and have to face those kind of, and I, I find a lot of father or family of origin stuff gets resolved, but it really, it really is intense when it's happening to you. But, um, 
that's when I went from being an astrology hobbyist to a professional astrology columnist. So it does also clarify and solidify things. Are you finding that to be happening to you? Well, I'm just so... I mean, I love Saturn. I really don't have a problem with Saturn. It it tried to get me to have a, you know, to change my perspective on it while it was in my 12th house when yeah, it was hard to access. But now that Saturn's back in my first, I'm happy. I, I love Sa- Saturn in the angular placements. I'm thrilled to see Saturn in the first and the fourth and the seventh and the 10th because Saturn gives you the tools that you need to work when you're ready to do that work. I think Saturn in your first house is like, knock, knock, it's time to step into boss bitch mode, (laughs) basically. Totally. And wherever it is in your chart, it's where you need to be the boss bitch. That's how I look at it. Like, all right, just time to step it up and stop slacking. So you had Saturn for the last few years in your 12th house, which is about all things mystical and spiritual. I know you wanted to talk about the 12th house today. That misunderstood place. I mean, I think that's a great time to become a professional astrologer as you did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, A lot of when I queried listeners to see what people really wanted to talk about, I did get a lot of questions about the eighth and the 12th house. Um, You know, it's fitting for me since I have an eighth house stellium and a 12th house stellium. So I'm Mm -hmm. happy to always talk about these these areas. But you know, even after counseling myself and my clients through the 8th and 12th house, both natally and transits, they're so abstract that sometimes it's still difficult to find the words to really communicate and articulate the different types of intensities between these things. And I, to me, it's, I can visualize them, right? Like, to me, the 8th house is like the Adams Family house, and the 12th house is like your ayahuasca journey Hmm. of like transcending into your spiritual form interesting i like that (laughs) you know yeah those those watery houses i you know my overall philosophy which is such a sad sort of statement to make to start with but my overall philosophy is that there's nothing necessarily bad in astrology but i know a lot of astrologers would disagree they'll refer to Saturn as a malefic planet and they do you know it's astrology isn't a magic pill it can't make can't prevent circumstances or bad things from happening but I personally believe you have a lot of free will around how you deal with those circumstances so the problem with the way people are taught about the 8th house and the 12th house is that they're bad bad things are going to happen to you when a planet comes to that house or having planets there means you're intense or doomed or delusional or, you know, now might you have those tendencies? Yes, but I believe the minute you become conscious of a tendency or a planetary trend, you gain a certain amount of agency. You, You gain the ability to work with it. And I strongly think we need to be partnering with the planets not at the effect of them i'm not into the victim victim mentality around astrology at all right like i am being an asshole but i'm a scorpio so i'm allowed to be an <laughs> asshole with four planets in scorpio i'll cut a bitch but i'll own that i'll own that i'll do it consciously you know but uh <laughs> i do have moon mercury venus and mars and scorpio to go along with my Sag, so don't think I'm a Pollyanna here, but um, <laughs> it's but like any tool, the more you work with it, the more adept you get. And you know, if you're working with knives, you might cut yourself a few times until you become a master at it. Astrology is a lifelong journey and uh, practice, so. The 12th house can go from starting out as like a really bad hit of acid to a transcendent ayahuasca journey with a shamanic vision. The 8th house can go from being the dirtiest one night stand in the back of someone's meth lab or (laughs) car, you know, to like tantric sex where you leave your body at the point of orgasm. I don't know. It's like there's a range there. 
So yeah, for sure. I mean, I when I first um, had enough information about astrology to really understand the weight of having six planets in my eighth house. I started crying. You have six planets. Yes, and I also have my sun and south node conjunct exactly at 25 degrees. Oh, wow. Um, In Leo. In Leo. In Leo, in the eighth. And I uh, have, it's it's so intercepted that I have Leo, Virgo, and Libra all represented in my eighth. As I do, too. That's funny. Oh, interesting. Well, I guess, you know, 10 degrees, 12 degrees Capricorn rising. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Funny. So, yeah, I mean, it it felt um, extremely overwhelming. I was scared of it. But then I also was like, hmm. wait, but this is what I've been dealing with my whole life anyway. Like, I've already been feeling the intensity of what it means to be alive, to have the responsibilities that are not just of my own existence, but also the pain and the joys and the past of my familial heritage and I already Hmm. was reconciling that by the time I had enough information to know that I was an eighth house stellium person so instead of then becoming woe is me like look at all of the look at the cards that I was dealt instead I was like wait how can I tap into the other attributes of this how can I lean Hmm. into me being the spooky occult princess that I, I've always wanted to be. That's a good uh, Leo <laughs> Pisces moon title, eighth house queen. Uh, now, you know, sorry, my nosy Sag Scorpio moon is going to go back to what made you cry when you saw your chart. Was it crying because you felt validated and seen or crying because you felt overwhelmed by, oh my God, this feels like a lot to deal with? Well, at the time, you know, in in preliminary readings of astrology, and I think probably what a lot of listeners are dealing with, which is why they're inquiring about the 8th and 12th house, is the information that you'll find online is so depressing. Okay. It's so dark. and it, So it made you feel hopeless. Yeah, and it's saying. like well, I'm, okay. I'm stuck with this yeah. natal chart that is just like pooling all of its energy in death mm. like that's a scary that's a peril thing to... of the internet you know i was born in 1972 but i've been using computers since our first apple 2c that we got in 1983 so i've been an early adopter of technology and was using the internet in the you know in the 90s early 90s already but there was not much online, so I was forced to go to books And, the, and um, when I started out. And I think I'm glad about that because um, it is, it's easy, uh, not that they didn't say the same kind of stuff sometimes, but that's where astrology, you know, where they say a little bit of knowledge or information is a dangerous thing. If you go and read something scary online and then don't keep researching, that's, you know, that happens to a lot of people. And that's why we need people like you who are trained in astrology to reinterpret that for people. Yeah, so... From your own experience, too. Right, and I think that one of the reasons that becoming a professional astrologer, I mean, first of all, I mean, years before I even knew that this was a potential path, I wanted to be a sex therapist. So... Which eighth, is house. Also eighth house, eighth house, psychology, Leo. sex, yeah. and also my Virgo, Mercury, Mars in there. Okay, it's all checks out. Yeah, um, I've it's always one been potential interested. Path for sure. Yes, I always have been interested in understanding people's psychology, in talking about their demons, in talking about trauma, and in working through just the, you know, someone once said to me that like can you not like just small talk can you just try to small talk sometime Elisa? (laughs) no i mean i meet someone and i want to know about like you know small talk is alcoholic abusive grandfather i'm sorry i'm curious that is the mark of a true astrologer small talk is air pollution in my uh you know (laughs) it totally is contribute to ending climate change stop talking about superficial bullshit (laughs) sorry you heard it here first (laughs) sash moments (laughs) i love it um but yes i think that you know having such an intense chart has allowed me to then meet people and see their 
charts and empathetically be able to connect with them to understand the things that have happened in their life that they're afraid of that they have a hard time reconciling and dealing with and to take those um, to take those moments and those fears and paranoias and turn them into superpowers nice Let's talk about a word you just used, empathic. So those are gifts of the 8th and 12th house. There are astrologers that are more tough love and not empathic, and they serve a role too. Sometimes you need someone not to completely empathize so they can, you know, hold the space for some for you to rise out of that trauma. But there are times when you need an astrologer who is empathic. And I was listening to... Uh, this amazing woman who started the Yin Ova Center, Jill. Um, gosh, I'm blanking on her last name. She's a Capricorn. But she was talking about when um, she's an acupuncturist, a fertility acupuncturist specialty, uh, specialty. And she was talking about how when she does acupuncture on people, mirror neurons start to form between them. You become as one with them. And as I heard her say that, I was like, that's what happens to me sometimes when I'm doing someone's chart. My brain starts to manufacture mirror neurons where their experience becomes layered onto mine. So it's a it's an interesting thing because you don't want to project your experience onto someone else when you're reading their chart. Because then, it, then you don't know if you're helping them or making it about you. Right. But there's this other thing that happens that I think you're speaking to, the empathy that you know, you just create a healing for people when you read their chart. Some kind of molecular, cellular shift can and does happen when it's done right. That sounded very woo-ish, but do you know what I'm saying? No, I mean, I think that, that, I think that that's extremely well said. I, I, there actually are a lot of studies in the, the symbiotic relationship between any... Um, expert and their patient and the relationship between those two because ultimately they are always both sort of flowing between each other where Mm. the patient the client is delivering information that then the expert in whatever field is then using to tap into their practice and give it back to them and there they always are sort of um, they're connected on a very spiritual level of how they even came together in the first place. Of course, you would know that. I love it. Um, <laughs> I agree. I mean, it's like this person is here. Why are they here? Like, that's the first thing to ask yourself. Okay. Or I showed up to this personal, you know, this person to do a reading for me. Is it because they have a message for me? You know, and even if you get a bad reading, it's like, well, was I not trusting myself and giving my power away? There's always something to be learned. I have a funny story. Speaking of therapists and patients, I, the only person I never asked their sign for years was my therapist because I almost didn't want to ruin it. Me too. But then I finally did, like after working with her for 10 years. And of course she was a freaking Sag like (laughs) me born six days after me. So I was like, of course you are. But anyway, that was just, I actually had the same rule. I did not want to know what my (laughs) therapist sign was because I really wanted to maintain that boundary. And this was my, the therapist that I'm referring to is the, the therapist that I had when I was living in Los Angeles, who was an incredible, magical, um, intuitive. And it's no surprise Mm. that she was a Pisces. When I finally found out on my last session with her, when I was leaving to move back to New York and I was like, that checks out. Exactly. (laughs) It always checks out. But rather than like, like I knew that because I might be feeling, here's the thing, like astrology is sort of, um, an emotional insurance policy sometimes. And that's why we use it to like, you know, if you're, it's, it's, if you meet someone and you're attracted to them or you have some sort of chemistry with them, you're going to go check their chart. If you're, you know, an astro enthusiast like us and okay. And you're going to start to kind of strategize, but it's really a way of coping with your vulnerability. So I knew in a therapy relationship, I'd be feeling vulnerable and looking for ways to get out of that. My mind would be looking for ways to not feel the feelings that I needed to feel in order for therapy to work. So 
I had to discipline myself to not use my strategic tool to get out of doing the work on myself, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So what do you think that the, you know, where do you think that therapy and how do you think a therapy and astrology work together? That's a good question. Um, I think it's a, it's a, when they're both used as tools, when, um, the trouble with astrology is because it has archetypes and things that are just, you're just like, that is so freaking true. I am like that. It's like, it's very easy then to be like, okay, I did the work because I figured that out. You know, when you use it as a springboard, all right, you're dealing with father issues and you're dealing with them in a Sagittarian way. You're using humor to joke about it, but maybe there's really some pain there. Like when you acknowledge it, your zodiac sign might give you your coping strategies or you use your zo- your astrological sign to um, figure out healing strategies or transformational things. Well, as a Sag traveling, some, I'm just being very stereotypical here, but as a Sag traveling always resets your perspective. Would it maybe it would be a good idea to plan a trip now that you've been doing all this work? So if you layer it into the healing process instead of using it as, well, you're a, you know, Gemini, so you're just going to lie anyway. Go on. Gemini can take it. That's, yeah, that's no. it. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, when I see someone being the worst traits of their sign or living the best life traits of their sign, I'm not necessarily surprised. But when you're doing healing or transformational work on yourself and you notice astrology or tarot or any of your tools starting to become a way that you sneakily wriggle out of doing the real work or taking personal responsibility, stop yourself because you're interfering with your own healing process. That's what I would say. Yeah, I I think that um, one of the best things about astrology is that you can just dive right in, right? And we don't have to spend sessions, years to figure out the fact that, you know, you felt neglected by your mother. Right. We can see that right away. And you've got Saturn retrograde in your fourth house. Right. And you're, mothers, a, you're an Aquarius so. moon. And we can just, we identify it right from the bat. Yes. You but, can cut through a lot of that, like, intake session work. Yes, exactly. But then you still need to work with that. Yeah. Like, we still need to figure out how to heal and Mm -hmm. be the best person that you can be and build the best, most sustainable and healthy relationships that you can have. So just identifying your pain points isn't really enough. It's not enough. It's not enough for anything. It's like, great. Well, I know I'm like this now. So but it's like, and now what? And so what? Yeah. What do we what do you do with it? And like a skillful astrologer will help you use your chart as a tool i mean look i've i talk to people all the time who've had decades of therapy or are masterful at business or in the world but then there's just it's like you're walking around with this blind spot that astrology or knowing your chart can just pierce through it's pretty it's pretty effective and amazing when that happens and that's why i think people are so eager to learn about it because it's like this extra set of eyes Mm mm-hmm I see the personal planets as our portals to the outer planets Hmm, because the outer planets are so abstract Mm -hmm. and some of them, you know, like Neptune, we don't even experience a full orbit in, even if we're very, very old when we pass, we're not going to start living to 165. Yes. (laughs) Until we can become real cyborgs. We are not going to know what it means to go through a full Neptune transit, but that's not the role of Neptune. Neptune is really about it's Neptune is that psychological subconscious transition through time that reminds us that where we leave off, someone else is going to pick up. Hmm. And that's sort of a I mean, it's it's very heady. these outer planets so in order for us to really know how to work with them and especially if you have outer planets in your first house or on your ascendant where they become a big part of your life but they are these long-term thematic things 
I what what I like to do is see what the aspects are to the personal planets to be mm-hmm. like okay, so you know that you know you have Uranus in this position right here in your twelfth house, but it's sextiling your Mars. So when you're taking action and getting your shit done, you know that that's also a portal into whatever Uranus is doing, which may be harder for you to understand than hmm. that Mars energy. That's an interesting way of looking at it. I always think of the outer planets a little bit like distant relatives sometimes, but yeah, what you said about the aspects or their relationship to one of the personal planets. So the, um, like I have Neptune conjunct together with my son in Sagittarius in my 11th house. So um, it, I see it as sort of a, Maybe a, uh, it colors, I don't think we're saying the same thing, but it can color the way you experience the more immediate day-to-day things in your life. Um, it's like a, a soft wash over everything. You yeah, know? So, especially if it's Neptune. Yeah, so for <laughs> me, like, the 11th house is friends and groups, and I'm always, like, you know, my friends are my family, like, everything to me in a lot of ways, and the Neptune kind of idealizing of people does happen, but I also attract really amazing spiritual high vibration people to me as well. So I'll feel the contributions of Neptune. Maybe it's the best supporting actor versus the star of that narrative in your life or whatever. So um, it's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. I love Neptune. I really, I really (laughs) do. I, I know that Neptune can sometimes really fuck with us, but I find Neptune energy to be, I mean, we need it. It's like, you know, it's like that church lady that loves everybody and just wants to give you a hug. You know, she's not really cut out for the rat race of this world, but thank God she's here or whatever you know (laughs) totally totally we need a little neptune like we need a little christmas you know so it's uh every planet has a role they all work together so speaking of your your son in your 11th house Mm -hmm. you also have a you also are somebody who is advocating for using the natal chart as a way of tapping into your business potential. Right, right. Online business specifically, which is very 11th house, right? Yes, very 11th house. (laughs) So can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so uh, being a Sagittarius and a twin, my sister growing up in Detroit with not a lot to do, we were always very creative. I think that's the sun, Neptune, 11th. But um we we're always starting little businesses and projects. We went to art school later in life. And um, so my dad is an immigrant and an entrepreneur, Sag. He's also a Sag with the Scorpio moon. So I grew up with a lot of that. Um, and my Leo mother, very creative too. So uh, over the years, I've just always I've acquired a lot of independent business skills and specifically creating businesses uh, with no funding and my, you know, just out of my own scrappy hustling ideas, dreams, persistence, and ended up becoming something of an expert on that. So um, now we teach people, my sister Tali and I, how to use their charts to design a business that they love um, business and relationships we you know love and career because that's kind of what those are two big things we all need to know about um, but one of the things I think I think you know my dad when I was 15 years old he, he was an immigrant from Israel and he didn't he came here not speaking the language and he had nearly a master's degree in urban planning but because he didn't speak English and was a Sag that really needed to not be contained behind a desk. He had a landscaping business on the side, but a day job at an electronics factory, like shipping and loading dock to pay the bills for the family. And he hated it, but Capricorn South Node, he went in day in and day out until the, you know, there was no loyalty, though, at this company. And when I was 15, they just fired him. And um luckily being sad she just went right into action and turned his landscaping side hustle into a full-time business that he worked for 25 years after that but one thing he said to me that always stayed with me was like Ophi 
never work for anyone else. If you want to be free, never let anyone else be your boss or whatever, you know, whatever that was that stayed with me. And um, I don't know if that was a good thing, but um, I was like, okay, because he was like, freedom is everything. And, And I actually worked with him for years as his landscaping assistant, you know, throughout my teenage years. And um, on the weekends and he would just be like, ah, the freedom of having your own thing and putting the money in your own pocket and not having to answer to anyone and have, you know, even though we would work from like seven in the morning till 10 at night in the sun, it was like doing what we wanted. So somehow that became the, the spark for me to advocate for, wow, when you do what you love, work Sometimes work is work. We know as grinders of daily horoscopes, it's not always fun. <laughs> it takes something. But when you're working for yourself, there is a purpose, a focus, a mission, a joy at times. Um, at least it starts that way. But along the way, you need tools to stay in the game. You need to make, you know, and astrology really pairs well with it. It helps you know where to focus because you may have limited time and resources you're trying to do the thing and you're not you can't waste money you can't you know hire a million people so you need to know where to put your energy uh what your best strengths are you need to understand if the timing for launches and other things is right i believe that most people more than anything really want freedom and a purpose they want to know that their lives are making a difference maybe that's my sag projection onto the world but i think we all want to feel like we're not just taking up space on the planet some people don't care but i don't really hang out with them (laughs) (laughs) so are there any tips that you can share in terms of identifying things in a chart um you know do you work with are you really looking at the houses here? Are you looking at the aspects? Are you looking at the sun? Where do you, what are some of like your go-to placements for launching a business and finding that success? You know, if you want to start with the basics, look at if you have any planets in your second house, sixth house, eighth house, 10th house. Um, Look at your mid heaven, which is uh, the plant, the sign that's, on the cusp of your 10th house, that arrow at the top of your chart. What zodiac sign is it intersecting? I have a Scorpio midheaven. Scorpio is all things mystical and transformational, and that's what I ended up doing. Um, look at where you have Mercury uh, in your chart, which is it's, that will show you your work habits and style more than you even realize. I always sort of dismissed Mercury as like a bit player in the game for a while and then I realized oh my god mercury is everything for the kind of we spend most of our lives working and sleeping honestly so who you need to be around and what kind of environment is going to make you the most productive and inspired Um, I look at Saturn as where you may have like a little hero's journey or challenge to overcome Jupiter what you'll be excited about I look at the zodiac sign and the house it's in definitely look at the north and south nodes that's really tells you the hero's journey you're going to go on the the nodes i love the nodes for planning your career and mission because we live in a world that tells you do the thing that you're good at you're good at math you should go to engineering school well maybe not because like i had a client who had a capricorn south node her past life sign which is all right, you've had lifetimes as a captain of industry. She was in, and of course, she was an investment banker. But because you can do the thing that your South Node says with your eyes closed, but she hated it. At a certain point, if you do the thing that you're good at and you've already done it for lifetimes, you're going to be bored. Like, we did not come here to coast. We came here to sort of rise into that next evolution or iteration of ourselves. But if we don't know about this stuff, we're going through life with our eyes closed. We're going through the motions. We're in survival mode. We're doing the thing that's going to get us a paycheck instead of using that as a springboard into our purpose. So um, 
I like to talk to people about what their purpose is, the fastest and most effective way to get there, and how to make money from it, and live meaningful, happy lives of their own design, basically. So... Sign me the fuck up. That is amazing. (laughs) And that's my Capricorn North Node. I have a Cancer South Node, Capricorn North Node, which Oprah does too. I was very happy to discover, um, as did Steve Jobs. So I'm trying to live like them. Um, I love it. Steve Jobs had a Cancer South Node, which is very creative. And Bill Gates, a Gemini South Node, which is very techy. But I digress. So let's talk about the nodes for a minute more, because I know that... I mean, the nodes are very fascinating. How do you, in terms of thinking about past life and destiny, what is your interpretation of the South and North Node? Yeah, so I feel that the South Node is like what you have a spiritual PhD in. It's what you've done for lifetimes. It's it's kind of your your ace in the hole. It's the thing you want to pull out. I My Cancer South Node... I mean, that's women, that's family, that's, I I mean, I work with my sister in a business that attracts probably 97% women, you know, (laughs) gay men and a few straight guys, let's be honest, and, you know, the trans community is, of course, always welcome, but, um, but I have a Capricorn North Node, which is about business, men, I need to learn how to work with men, I need, um, I'm, but one of my passions, I feel that your nodes are, um, you use your south node in service of your north node. I came in with all these gifts, and now I'm going to use them to ele- to elevate into my north node, which is always in the opposite sign. So it's like I'm crossing this river here. I'm going to use my south node uh, to, to row me across the river, and then... I'm not going to just hang out in the boat. I'm going to go and explore this new land using what I brought into this lifetime as a as a skill and a tool, but not as limitations. So, you know, teaching women uh, specifically, that's who ends up taking my classes. What a surprise. Uh, <laughs> mostly women, how to start their own businesses is how I combine my nodes. You have a Leo South Node, Aquarius North Node, right? I do, and my South Node is conjunct. Right, conjunct your my sun. sun. Right, right. Which so, makes things a little tricky. It does. <laughs> now, I when your South Node and your Sun are together, that's I always think that's kind of like you graduate as a valedictorian of your high school, but you really liked getting straight A's and the cafeteria foods. So you're like, I'm just going to stay in high school again. Can I stay in high school again? And you have to like push yourself out of in you know being like the big fish in the small pond i don't know if you've seen that happen in your life ever i think that the you know my chart is really yeah your chart's a little unique with all that eighth (laughs) house and everything but and my moon and my in pisces in the second so i have my chart is very um the majority of my placements are on in towards the top of my chart Mm -hmm. i have only a couple of I only have three placements in the bottom I only have uh the south or I'm sorry the north node in Aquarius the moon in Pisces and then Jupiter in the six okay so sort of a bucket chart yeah so to me there's a lot I know how to want more Mm -hmm. but I have a hard time having Mm -hmm. and I think one of the journeys of my chart is to find more having Mm-hmm. and less aspiring. Okay. Well, see, the North Node is sometimes where you overshoot the mark, too. So you have this Aquarius North Node that has you visualize all these things you could have or do or be, but then maybe the Leo South Node can um, underestimate what it takes to get there. Because I think the Leo South Node person uh, has a little bit of a past life as a royal where things were handed to you. And in this lifetime, you have to go out and explore all these subcultures and get out into the world and gain those street smarts. You know, you don't want things to just be handed to you. I look at it as like a game. It's like Scorpio South nodes have that too. People keep trying to give you stuff, but you're like, no, don't give me that because you're blocking me from manifesting what I'm supposed to. So... Yeah, I I love my North Node in Aquarius. It's cool because I'm in the second house because I am so excited to just stop living 
my past life. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the sun and the it's it's when I think when your sun and your south node are together, it's like having a needle stuck in a re- vinyl record, you know, playing the same track over and over again. And then when your sun and your north node are together, then you're like a late blooming rock star a lot of the time. That could be tricky too, though. That's it can a, that's be, a Donald just, Trump thing. Oh God, right. He is. Are they together? Yeah, they're together, right? Gemini North Node. Um, yeah, it can be uh, delusional. I don't know. I think it's Leo rising. That doesn't help. I mean, nothing in his chart Nothing helps. is... Cho- yeah. It is It is the chart that really, if you're going to be a shitty person, that is the chart. <laughs> it is. To, there's no checks and balances in that Saturn chart. I think Saturn and Cancer in that chart, though, is like has a stronger also what about that venus in cancer oh god yeah i mean that's why he's always wanting to have those like trophy wives that's why like cartoonists draw him in diapers all the time Ah! you know it's like he's like a whiny bratty little baby grumpy baby that needs his nap and his kfc you know oh god he's the worst he's yeah oh so so not here for him um <laughs> and yes i'll say that we did but, yeah but interesting so i i don't know if you I, i'm curious about what your thoughts are on this because we were both working in astrology prior to the 2016 election um i had we connected actually in 2015 originally when yeah. i had my dating app um, yeah and you know at that time and as i'm sure you have been working for you have more time on me in astrology as well, that there's a real moment that it's having right now. I am attributing a lot of that to the election. I think that that was a major turning point in people realizing that the quote-unquote scientific community, the, the, the real patriarchy experts who know what they're talking about and can mm-hmm. make all of these graphs and predictions based on numbers and that mm-hmm. it's all bullshit. Yeah, I think uh, what happened with the election made no sense and human beings need a certain amount of certainty or else we go crazy. So astrology and mystical tools have replaced the certainty that we used to get when, you know, our world followed some sort of a linear order that allowed us to bury our heads in the sand and uh, nothing made sense anymore how can this guy keep how could this guy even get elected much less get away with this stuff how could we have turned back time so we we're turning back time by using ancient tools to match how far back they've set history so real (laughs) How do you think the astrology of today corresponds with what is going on politically? Well, the United States is having a Pluto return. So, you know, every 256-ish years, you know, we're, we are, you know, it's Saturn being there in Capricorn too. It's like, it's a, it's a larger spiritual nodes. test. The nodes and the no, nodes and cancer actually have a, a tattoo of Pleiades. I'm a fan of the book Bringers of the Dawn by, um, Barbara Marciniak. Was it her or hand? Cl- I always forget, mix up the two Barbaras, the Kundalini of Astrology one. But anyway, Bringers of the Dawn. Love this book. It's from the 90s and it's about the Pleiadians. She channeled the Pleiadians and um, kind of just describes exactly what's happening that uh, they jokingly called the, the likes of Trump the lizard people and how. Uh, <laughs> Well, read it anyway, if you're intrigued, but I feel like we're being, humanity is being given a real evolutionary test by what's happening. And so we have to, we have to like be outraged and activists as well, but we need to read between the lines a little bit and look at, zoom out a little bit and look at like, what's the bigger message and personal responsibility for us here. In the... At the time of this recording right now, we had the this highly anticipated report, um, uh, the Mueller report. Coming out during Mercury retrograde in Pisces. Talk about losing information. Neptune. Neptune, yeah. Mm-hmm. There is 100% no way that this information that we have is accurate, right. is correct, 
yeah. is the full amount. I mean, it's it's almost like they have a fucking astrologer in there saying this is going to be the best time to do it is when Mercury retrograde is conjunct Neptune when nobody can see things clearly. Right. I'm just kind of picturing this big karmic snowball gathering more and more avalanche power so that when it really breaks, it just really breaks. I don't know, but it's senseless it, until you look at the astrology. Like, honest to God, astrology feels like the only thing that makes sense out of the, the crazy stuff that doesn't make sense in a three-dimensional way. Anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I feel like that is truly the only thing that it can give us some sort of direction in this wacko time. And if you think that's sad or a bad thing and you're listening to this, then please run for freaking office because uh, we got nothing else here right now, people. <laughs> Astrology isn't just a casual party trick fortune teller anymore. We we need the oracle system here, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I think These so. These schmucks aren't going to save the planet. No, absolutely not. Hopefully Uranus and Taurus will help bring our attention a little bit more to the ecology of it all. I've been seeing 311 on the clock since Uranus went into Taurus, which was the the day that Uranus entered Aries and that there was the uh, Fukushima earthquake. It was wild because Uranus left Pisces, which rules the seas, and... There was an explosion of uranium at the nuclear power plant that day. So I'm, I, I'm thinking it's like a prophetic earthquake metaphor that I'm getting. I know that sounds really weird, but um, it's not a literal earthquake, I hope. But Uranus and Taurus, to me, is, is an earthquake, a, a slow thing happening below the earth. You know, <laughs> I hope it is. It definitely hope is. hope it's not a real one. I was watching your, I tuned in for your live stream a little bit the other day, and I was listening to you saying, well, you know, we have Uranus and Taurus now, so the last time that this was here was during the Great Depression and World War II, and I'm not trying to freak anyone out, so hey, it's been a while, but... <laughs> which, I don't want that on my head. Yeah, but yeah. it is, I mean, I do find it to be very interesting that we are approaching this moment where everything all the tradition that we know is going to be rocked yeah yeah i mean and we, we need, need it to reinvent stuff there's a I'm feel, since that start i'm feeling a real call to simplify clarify the messaging um very focused yeah we do need it i think that there is going to be a big break in this influencer culture mm. coming up you know, what do you I, think? How do you think that'll manifest? I think, well, you know, the Uranus and me, 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 Aries, obviously, oh, made yeah, everybody, yeah, sure. everybody is an influencer. Everybody has a personal brand. Mm -hmm. um, you know, honestly, I found that Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp shutdown that we had during retrograde really to be the work of Uranus as well. Well, Mark Zuckerberg is a Taurus, so he had to get his ass kicked by Uranus somehow. Yeah, totally. Totally. He He's owns involved. all of those. Yeah. Know? And I do think that there was some, there is something to be said for the fact that we have become so dependent on these systems that yeah. we don't really have identity outside of being able to, you know, obsessively check and post and like and follow and unfollow well yeah you become like a bot yourself like i always call taurus the analog sign so hopefully you know some uh, Brene brown posted a jomo the joy of missing out meme the other day and like all these people reposted it i mean that is a little bit of what I think Aries, Uranus and Aries was FOMO. Uranus and Taurus is JOMO, I think. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm missing out. Thank God. I don't want to go to another influencer brunch without with uh, somebody who has 200,000 Instagram followers and a really good camera and no soul, you know? Right. Who And no opinion. Right. Right. Nothing to say. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing about Taurus is that 
It does have an opinion. It does. It really does have an opinion. So does this mean we can stop pretending to care about street style at Fashion Week or whatever? No. Yeah, I mean, I think that maybe we can stop caring about trying to be the first. Oh, yeah. There's a real, there's definitely a competitive thing that came from Uranus and Aries. It wasn't all bad, but yeah, it's just we're evolving now. We're evolving beyond me, 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 you know, to, all right, what is this for? You know, or just learn, you know, I, um, there's that book, Start With Why, and I wrote a post uh, for my, astrology business students called start with how because learning how it's like we all know why we want to do things and you have a mission but that mission will die if you don't know how to actually bring it to life so i'm encouraging people in the uranus and taurus era which is going to be until april 2026 just go out there and learn the skills to do some of the things you want to do don't look for you know, big papa or mama to come and fund your ideas only. Like, just just start hustling a little bit. Like, get interested in learning how to do things and small batch that shit and get it out there. Or, actually, not every idea has to be produced either. Like, every single thing you do takes up space, psychic space, physical, energetic, whatever like being a little more thoughtful rather than just producing and cranking stuff out wouldn't be the worst thing it's there's a reason Marie Kondo and the KonMarie method is so popular right as Uranus and Taurus less is more time started now like don't go KonMarieing your shit onto a landfill and just making it the earth's problem either but you know (laughs) less is more yeah a little bit now Speaking of the Earth, I do think that one of the things that we will learn with Uranus and Taurus is the fact that the Earth is going to be fine. Humans are going to be fucked. (laughs) Like, the Earth is resilient, and if it is being mistreated, it's going to be like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm burning this whole thing down, or I'm going to flood this whole thing, or I'm going to... with you people. Yeah, I'm going to... I have to reset and recalibrate in order for the Earth to continue to maintain a planet. We're visitors here. So you're saying we have 11 years and then we're dinosaurs. I, I mean, I think that a lot of the problem with being environmentally aware comes from the fact that humans are so selfish and we're seeing this as an earth problem rather than an us problem Mm -hmm. the earth is going to outlive us (laughs) yeah humans are just like the species that came before are the ones that are not going to be able to live in new atmospheric conditions right so kill your mars mission dreams that ain't your plan b okay (laughs) (laughs) so one on that uplifting note yeah yeah. so obviously normal normal astrology conversation right but it's true um uranus and taurus let's just say while you're busy looking at what the other planets are doing don't forget about the one you're living on right now yes so important so important (laughs) and you know like i i also don't believe most people around me here are like just i'm just gonna litter up the planet it's like we're you know our we we're just you know using that extra square of toilet paper or whatever showering a few minutes long it's just it's like this all these little drops in the bucket that are adding up to um guzzling the gas well i gotta get commute to work you know so it's there's systemic changes too that all i don't know i think we're i think we're gonna be sorting that one out for the next the seven years that left in uranus and taurus well i think also the the we're talking about the very positive um interpretations and variants of it of how we could use this to really celebrate the earth and the land and the natural resources but that's all good someone like you know, a shithead in office could also lean into the fact that Taurus is tradition and that coal and all of these old and antiquated systems of power can also come back into the fold. It's really the corporations that are 
fucking everything up. So yeah, we could definitely it could become that old school Taurus mentality. Yes, where it can look Let's go like back it's to like the way things were. Industrial Revolution London. Right, right. Yeah, that is a possible manifestation, and the the again the reason so many people are really you know, hanging tight with astrology is because we don't really have a lot of agency with that, especially with the government that's so pro-corporation and, you know, it just, the the, the bringers of the dawn, ple- the, the lizard people, they just, they don't give a fuck. You know, they just don't. It's okay, I'm like sag F-bombing now. Um, Enough time has passed. I haven't said fuck, so I need to say it now, or else I wouldn't be a real Sagittarius. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it it's uh, I don't have an answer to that one. I really don't. Yeah, we don't. We don't. All we can do is is look and watch and see how these patterns change over time. And as both Capricorn rising timekeepers. You know, that's sort of the role of the astrologer is to keep tabs on the way that cycles are moving and progressing so that we can understand and we can see and watch out for our blind spots to Mm -hmm. avoid uh, the pitfalls and the shortcomings that are so inevitable seeming. Well, um, you know, it's interesting because the earthquake area is called the Ring of Fire, uh, and then we actually have a ring of fire eclipse at the end of this year, uh, an annular solar eclipse where the outline of the sun, it's on December 26th, um, can be seen around the moon's shadow. That's what the ring of fire is, but it's also the heavy duty earthquake zone. So I'm hoping that if people start Googling that, they'll get interested in uh, the, you know, the climate protection stuff too. Look, um, one manifestation of Uranus and Taurus could be corporate greed and going back to the coal industrial revolution mentality. Another manifestation could be the um, uprising, uh, rebellion and power to the people of Uranus. Um, One natural disaster too many or ice shelf breaking and you're going to see a lot of people being like, F this. Or I was, um, I've been working with uh, this amazing 12 year old Taurus climate change activist, Alexandria Villasenor, who uh, uh, has been sitting outside of the UN. I went, and, she actually is a reader of our horoscopes. I went and sat on her bench with her and did her chart and helped her um, plan out a few talking points. She helped organize this climate strike on the UN uh, mid-March. So Uranus rules the youth and young people. And, and, uh, you know, you have that, the Capricorn girl, Greta Thunberg from uh, Scandinavia. And so these young people are real. They're like, you're not going to take my world away. I don't get to have a future because of what you're doing. And they're going to, they're going to be the ones that save the planet. Is this the the Pluto Sag people? Yeah. Yeah, they're... Uh, I don't know. They might even be Capricorn. Let's see. Another. She's 12, so... Yeah, Pluto Sag, Pluto Capricorn. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna really help us. We they need are. them. We need them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need you guys. We need you because, <laughs> damn, this is what happens when two Capricorn Risings start talking about astrology. It gets a little heavy. <laughs> it, gets a, it gets really real, you know? Yeah, again, no bullshit. No, no small talk. <laughs> no, right. We don't do small talk. So no, no, we don't at all. Um, so another a question that I do want to ask, um, and I get asked a lot, especially from people who like to bust my balls, is about <laughs> twin charts. Ah. And, you know, how, how, how do you explain the twins? twins are different people? I yeah. have different lives. So as a twin astrologer, I think yeah. that there is no better person to speak to this phenomenon than you. Okay, well, I think that twins are two different souls 
who have many different past lives informing their mission on this planet, but they chose to come in together and have a common focal point. Your chart does not determine everything about who you are. It just determines your mission and your focal point and tendencies and automatic factory settings in this lifetime. So uh, two souls, one mission, um, I, some twins even get different rising signs and houses. Tali and I, well, she's four minutes older than I am. So um, we did experience Saturn going over her ascendant. Pluto went over her ascendant a year before it went over mine, just from a couple minutes different. Uh, Saturn, she had it a month earlier. So she gets to be the, the test uh, lab rat of everything that's going to happen to me. Um, but yeah, this, these are two different souls and, uh, you need to respect that bitches. I'm just kidding. But no. <laughs> twins. Yeah. Uh, or it also speaks to the fact that we may express traits of our charts differently. You know, some the Scorpio moon can be expressed as jealousy with one twin maybe, or intense codependence or a real interest in mysticism. It's, it's, there's such a room for, you know, a range of expression in astrology that that's just a basic amateur question. I hope I've answered it for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think about with what my answer to the twin chart question and, you know, in general is that we're born with a chart and then life happens. Exactly. And you are going to experience life differently than your twin. Every person is having different stimuli come through right. them, starting from the hospital when you're going to have one nurse take you to your little bed and your twin is going to have another nurse. Yeah, or I That's was... Tali was in an incubator and I wasn't. So, huge. You know, huge. she was separated and and she has more, you know, like anxiety about certain things than I do that would probably go all the way back to that because they say... Those, um, within 45 minutes of your birth, how much time you spend with your mother will determine how safe you feel in the world, I've heard. So. Wow, that's fascinating. I know. I know. So, yeah, I mean, it's it starts immediately at birth where the stimuli, the experiences, the interactions are going to start directing the course of that chart. Yeah. So, and especially, I mean, you if you have twins and one's a boy and one's a girl, I mean, it's like not even... It's not, it, for astrology's purposes, it's like, don't even call them twins, right? The stimuli mm. that one is going to experience as a coming in identifying as a boy is going to be totally different than yeah. the feedback another a girl gets, right? Or we think twins doesn't mean clones. It means there's right? two souls. Yeah. That can, I mean, no matter what the sex of the twins are, it's like they're still, they these souls came in together for some kind of a reason. Why? I know twins that hate each other and are estranged. And I know, you know, then there's those TLC Siamese twins who figured out how to date while sharing an arm or whatever. You know, it's like, it's like, what, <laughs> what is that? You know, what, what it's, but I always say like, I've only been a twin. So when someone doesn't have a twin, I'm like, what's that like to not have someone around all that? Like my, I'm always trying, my daughter who's eight, I'm always trying to like, steal and kidnap for the night one of her friends like let them sleep over you don't have to make i'm like i don't know what to do with just one kid let me i need another one and i'm not gonna have another one but i need like a playmate for her because this is unnatural for her to be alone do you so, do you think that you have that i don't know what it is it's like a twin thing do they is there a word for that twin psychic connection oh definitely like if one of us is like having an anxiety thing or upset about something like the other one will real it's like, yeah it's called codependence <laughs> simple as that despite the fact that you guys live on opposite coasts it doesn't matter we talk like 15 times a day you know? <laughs> i love that's it. just on the phone so. <laughs> it's it's we we uh we joke that we were born married. So, but we also have our south node, our past life sign in the seventh house, which is about partnerships. And our north node, which is our destiny point in the first house of individuality. Oh, interesting. So I go, isn't that interesting? Like, if you were going to give yourself a game with a challenge, 
being born a twin, having had lifetimes mastering partnership with a with a mission of mastering individuality in this lifetime, is there any better way to be born and chart? Like, you know, because you don't evolve unless you transcend the obstacle. So our twinship is an obstacle to our becoming our fullest self unless we manage that so we've had to work through codependence we do live on opposite coasts because since we've been married and having that separation is actually really good for us karmically even if it's not for the comfort of having a twin around so interesting yeah i mean i love when it's so funny because so often i'll do somebody's chart and they will have these like powerful gemini placements or Mm. a seventh house south node and i'll say like you know we're third house stuff and i'll be like do you have siblings like what's the role here and they're like oh yeah i'm a twin and it's like oh yeah uh-huh. yeah uh, yeah it of shows course up you in are. the chart yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know a lot like mary kate and ashley olsen being gemini twins like duh the world's most famous twins are gemini's like, tell me another <laughs> cliche knock knock joke you know <laughs> i mean it's funny well i could literally talk to you forever Um, (laughs) and i could talk forever because i'm a wordy sagittarius bitch (laughs) are there any other is there anything else that we should mention before we wrap today i think uh you know just keep learning keep learning more about yourself about astrology there's it's like a lifelong practice Uh, you know on a philosophical note and then on a practical note um because i did mention uh, classes about business and love that we do if you're interested in um, checking out or getting on a waiting list for one of our classes and you know making money doing what you love aligned with your chart or designing a relationship that isn't some bs hollywood rom-com but it's really the right relationship for you and your chart um you can come to astrostyle.com slash classes and put your name on the list and we can we'll send you info when we're doing one of our classes and come hang out and learn with us and grow that sounds awesome yeah but thank you thank you this is this is this is really cool what you're doing i love it astro podcast astro podcast thank you so much 